And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. Of course, it's Tuesday as we get ready to roll into the last week of uh, October. Of course, Monday coming up, October 31st, Halloween. Get ready to wrap up the month. Um, also, at the end of this week, as we've talked about before, we're right in the real in the, in the heart of earnings uh, reveals this week, and earnings announcements will be hot and heavy all week today. Google, Microsoft out this, uh, today. We're going to be talking about Apple and Amazon on Thursday. So big week specifically for big tech earnings. Um, right now, of course, um, you know the pain trade at, the, at this point is higher. And we've talked about this for a couple of reasons now. Uh, markets actually rallied up to that 3,800 level yesterday. Didn't quite get above it. And so we're going to try that again today uh, to try to do that. Markets are set to open a little bit soft this morning. Uh, but not surprising. I mean, we've had you know a fairly good run of gains here in the markets over the last couple of days. Markets has been have been kind of advancing higher, really, ever since we set those lows following that CPI inflation report. So uh, again, you know, markets have been coming up here. Markets are a little bit overbought short term. So again, a little bit of uh, of you know just kind of rest here, so to speak. Uh, it won't be surprising, but. The trade seems to be higher here to around 3,800, 3,850 at least. Um, if we can get above that level, then you know we've got a shot up to about 4,4100. And again, um, as we start to approach the end of this week, the the buyback window. We talked about this over the last couple of days. That buyback blackout window is is now starting to fade. So there's over a trillion dollars worth of authorized stock buybacks uh, in this year. So we've had a huge. It's a record amount of companies noting that they're going to buy back stock. And so when we open that window back up, they can start buying shares again. And so through the end of the year, that's going to make up for about $5 billion a day, roughly-ish, um, and, and, and buying capacity for the market. So again, uh, it seems to be at this moment that the likely move higher here short term because of, you know, not just, just because of buyback, buybacks, but also, because earnings are coming in, as we said before, they're not as bad as expected. Coca-Cola this morning coming in 69 cents in the EPS versus 64. Um, you know, estimates have gotten fairly negative going into this quarter. Doesn't mean they're not going to get weaker going forward. Estimates are going to clearly keep coming down here as we move into 2023. But again, in the real short term, these estimates come down. We play the beat the, the estimate game. That's what the companies are doing now. So earnings not being as bad as expected, also giving a little bit of support to stocks here. Um, and then, of course, finally, as we move into the end of the year, it's just going to be basically a lot of money managers have to get money put back on the books. They're going to have to buy stocks to have the allocations, to have their portfolios in balance, have the right stocks on their books, etc. So, again, there's a couple of reasons here that most likely moving into the end of the year, we could see a little bit higher prices in, in terms of the markets. Now, that doesn't mean a guarantee that prices are going to move higher. It's just there's some things that are stacking up that suggest that prices could move higher here over, over the course of the next month or so. But again, it's not dramatically higher. Again, we were talking about 4,000, 4,100. You know, we, that 4,100 level gets you about where the 200-day moving average is. That's where we were back here in August when we did that July to August run in the markets, that 17% advance at the time. Uh, we remember when we were talking about that, we were back here exactly the same levels 
that we are today. And, in, and back here in June, when we were talking about these levels uh, back in June, is that these, you know, negative bearish sentiment, it was terrible, nobody wanted to own anything, had that same type of attitude here. Markets are going to crash, they're just going to go lower from here. And then we have this very strong advance in the market. So, again, you have that same type of setup here. So, you know, a move back to the 200-day moving average certainly is not out of the question uh, at all at this point. So it's just something worth considering. But again, as you move back towards that level, we're going to eat up a lot of this big oversold condition in the markets. We're going to get back to overbought conditions. And as we move into next year, a lot of these, you know, problems that we're talking about with the Fed hiking interest rates, the lag on monetary policy, earnings, uh, economic growth, etc. That's all going to start to really start to phase in here in the first, you know, half of next year. So again, whatever rally you get, as we talked about before, use that rally as an opportunity uh, to take some money off the table, rebalance your risk, think about you know, kind of where you're gonna position yourself next you know, as we get there. So, uh, and again, uh, next week also, um, we have the, the Federal Reserve meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday. So when they come out, we're gonna get kind of a, a good first look at potentially what they're thinking, right? And so the hope is, is that the Fed may be starting to talk about how to slow down their pace of rate hikes, right? That's been part of the reason for this rally here over the last day or so, um, has been this idea that the Fed is going to start now, start to tailor off how aggressive they are in terms of hiking rates. And there's some good reason to do that. Uh, numerous indicators are out right now that housing rent really kind of across the country is now starting to taper off. Uh, the number of of, of you know, uh, rate increases that are seeing in rents, those are falling. We've had a decline in rental rates on a na national basis uh, over the last two months. So we're starting to see that peak in rentals. Now, the reason that's important is, is because the biggest component of CPI is homeowners equivalent rent, which those rental indexes feed into, but they run on a big lag. And, and again, when we start talking about the, the Schiller case index uh, for housing, which is out this morning, um, you know, that's running about a three-month lag. And so when we start to see those prices peak and move over uh, and start to come down, that's already happening real time. And we're seeing that really kind of across the housing data. We're seeing fairly sharp declines in, uh, you know, uh, housing prices, how long houses are sitting on the market, et cetera. All those are starting to come down. That's all going to feed into that biggest component of CPI, which is that homeowner's equivalent rent. So once that level of rent starts to come down, CPI as a measure will come down fairly sharply simply because of the weight that you have in the CPI index of that homeowner's equivalent rent. So you see some fairly big contraction next year. And the ISM manufacturing index has a historically very high correlation to inflation. ISM manufacturing index is already coming down sharply and not just in the, the overhead index itself, but also in prices paid, employment, all those type of things that really talk about strong economic growth coming down sharply, which means as we get to next year, CPI is going to start to drop fairly sharply as well. And the Fed is going to be on the, again, on the wrong side of this rate hike situation because again, hiking rates now don't show up for six or nine months. So a lot of these rate hikes that are backloaded are going to show up right at the time that the economy is already really starting to struggle just to maintain itself. So a recession becomes a real possibility next year, uh, which suggests that prices are going to have to come down in markets uh, to, to adjust 
for lower earnings growth as we go through a recessionary environment. So that's what I'm saying. So again, this all goes back to the fact of why to use this rally uh, as an opportunity. Now, if you're a trader, you can certainly take advantage of this and, and buy some positions, try to trade this rally a bit, but don't forget to sell. That's going to be the big thing. Okay, so coming up this morning um, on the website right now, uh, we have Drucken Miller talking about the, the, you know, the next decade of low returns. We wrote an article about that this morning, kind of analyzing why that might be the case. That's on the website at realinvestmentadvice.com. Check that out. And then also coming back, we've got to talk a little bit about where we head to next. Midterm elections coming up on the 8th. What does that mean for the markets historically? That's all coming up right here this morning on The Real Investment Show. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. And uh, we'll be right back after the break. So don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. The end of the year is fast approaching. What will the new year bring? Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and Lance Roberts for our year-end economic review special event Tuesday, November 15th. How to address higher taxes in the new year. Should you delay your retirement in 2023? What will the midterm elections mean for markets? Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Coming up uh, very shortly, week after next, will be the midterm elections. Early voting is already open and uh, underway. Big turnouts here uh, in Houston already for early voting. Um, but that's also happening nationwide as well. Um, but, you know, markets tend to underperform going into midterm elections historically. And this year has been a, a good year of underperformance. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could you could say that. Um you know, coming out of midterm elections, markets tend to outperform. So just kind of a little bit of, of optimism going into next year. Of course, as markets have been under a lot of pressure this year already, um, you know, the question is, is where are we in this, you know, kind of this current down cycle of the markets, right? Is there a lot more to go? Is there a little more to go? I, you know, I suspect that you know, if you kind of measured the stock market like a baseball game, we're probably somewhere in the seventh, eighth inning, right? And so we've probably got one more leg down to, to wash out, you know, what's remaining of valuations and excesses in the markets. And again, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are trapped in this market and are looking for a rally to get, to get out. Excuse me, I got hiccups this morning. I'm looking for a rally to get out of the markets. So again, you know, what rally we do get here through the end of the year will likely be met with some selling going into, you know, the first part of next year, particularly as, again, you know, economic data shows signs of weakness, right? And then get a little bit more into a recession. But, 
you know, I suspect that sooner than later, the markets are going to, you know, kind of get this mostly priced in. So 12 months from now would not be surprising to see markets, you know, higher than where they are today. Wouldn't, wouldn't be a surprise at all. And, you know, I would probably expect that. So, I mean, if you bought something today and are willing just to kind of shut your eyes for 12 months, you'll probably be okay in 12 months is is the point right now you're not probably won't be dramatically higher than this but you know you know the odds are that we've gotten a lot of the of, of the excesses wrung out of the market so far and again maybe not in some of the bigger cap areas of the markets but definitely in some of the smaller cap areas of the market see stocks are already down 70 80 percent so you know a lot of the selling ha has occurred and, and so the question is when do we finally just get to the bottom and kind of start working our way higher. But again, that's going to also depend on, you know, a lot of things, right? Um, does the Fed reverse monetary policy, right? That could speed up where we find that bottom. Um, if they don't back off the gas in terms of hiking interest rates, that bottom may be further away, right? If they start to reverse their processes pretty quickly, start cutting rates, you know, kind of moving towards a, a new version of quantitative easing, whatever that might look like. That could bring in the bottom a lot sooner. So again, you know, there's you know anybody that tells you they know when the bottom's going to be, they they don't they don't know, right? Right? <laughs> Just uh, there's too many things that can change, but it's important to pay attention to the changes as they occur, and then of course just assess them accordingly. Now, again, with with midterm elections, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, lots of of angst, lots of division in the country right now. So. Um, as, as things start to kind of, you know, tighten up now, um, it does start to look like that the Democrats may lose either the House or the Senate or both. And that's going to bring in, of course, with a Democratic president at this point, that's going to bring in gridlock. And markets like gridlock. That means no more crazy spending packages, no more... Um, you know, out of the blue executive orders that, you know, impact certain areas of the economy, no more, you know, no more rate hikes in terms of taxes. Um, so, you know, with that kind of in, in, in place where you have gridlock, markets like that because they can plan now, right? So now I can plan for investments and, in, in, you know, allocating money, et cetera, because now I've gotten, because there is, is this gridlock, there's now I don't have to try to compensate for, you know, a higher tax rate or some, you know, excess monetary spending policy that changes the dynamics of the markets. Like all of a sudden we start sending checks back to households, right? So um, it makes it easier for Wall Street to kind of forecast um, returns, earnings, et cetera. And, and that also tends to help markets because, again, um, when there's no, you know, stripping out the government in terms of potential policy changes, that just leaves you with two things, really, the economy and the Fed. And as the and since the Fed's pretty vocal, we're going to kind of know more about what's going on with the Fed sooner than later. So, so this is going to be um, a good midterm election because that's probably going to be the case, ultimately, is that we're going to get into this kind of gridlock situation moving into next year. Um, according to Bloomberg, the markets do not like uncertainty. So once elections are in the rearview mirror, markets typically rebound accordingly. The parties controlling Congress and whether they change after a midterm election historically um, leads to a variation of market performance. Again, the issue is, is whether or not who controls it, right? Do you have 
one party controlling House and con House and Senate and the presidency? Do you have a split? You know, what is it? That's what really kind of drives this, uh, you know, markets going forward. So again, you know, there's with the possibility that you're going to have a gridlocked Congress that should be beneficial towards stocks over the course of the next few months, particularly coming right after that, once we know the results of the midterms. If we wind up with a gridlock following midterms, so again, end of November, December, moving into January, that could be very beneficial for stocks. Again, going back to this analysis that we were talking about, is the pain trade right now is likely higher. There's, there's a lot of things right now that suggest that the the, the most painful part of this of, of this market right now is trying to be out of it or short the markets. So in other words, as markets move higher, you're going to have a lot of individuals going, oh, I'm out of the market, I need to get in because now the, the bull market is back. Well, it's not back, but it's going to feel that way. And again, let's go back and talk about June of this year because we were right here on the show talking about super negative sentiment in the markets. Offside positioning, everybody's short, everybody hates the markets. And that was a great setup for a, for a big counter trend rally. And we said that we'll know we're getting the rally when Jim Cramer comes out and says the bull market's back, right? Bear market bottoms in. He did that. Rallied all the way back at that big 17% rally and then gave it all back up and retested those June lows, right? So we're right back to where we were in June. We've gone nowhere since June, but it feels horrible, right? If you think about the markets, the markets are right where they were back in June of this year. But you feel worse about it. <laughs> the price is the same. We haven't gone anywhere, but it feels terrible. Right? That's, the way, that's, what, that's what happens with bear markets. And again, we're back to that same level of of pessimism and sentiment and, and negativity and the, the, the end of the world's coming and, and all that, then that's exactly what you need for that contrarian setup for a counter-trend rally. But again, whatever counter-trend rally we get is likely not going to be the end of the bear market. Now, Jim Cramer is going to call the end of the bear market. He's going to say, bear market's over. Probably won't be. And again, is it possible that we've seen the bottom of the bear market? Yes, it is possible that the bottom of the bear market is in, or, or this bearish market, whatever you want to call it. It is possible. However, what I struggle with is the fact that you're going to have slower economic growth into next year. Corporate profits are going to come down. You cannot maintain the extremely high level of corporate profitability that you have now that was caused by this massive injection of liquidity into, into checks to households in, in an environment where you shut down production. It allowed companies to, sh to basically shred off all of their employees down to skeleton crews. And then you had all this money coming in demanding products. So prices went up dramatically, but yet as prices went up dramatically, they had less cost. So you had this massive level of corporate profitability that, is unseen historically. So in order to, and here's the important thing about this, in order to maintain current valuations in the markets, you have to think that the historically high levels of profit margins can be maintained. That you have to suggest 
that corporate profitability at these levels will not mean revert. And that's the part I struggle with going into next year. Because maintaining these excessively high levels of profit margins is going to be difficult unless we start laying off employees and putting people out of work and cutting back on things, and then the government steps in and starts sending more checks to households, which is entirely possible. I don't know if that'll happen. Not saying it will, but X those influences. I suspect that next year we're going to have a further reversion and profits and earnings to adjust for slower economic growth and lower rates of inflation. Given that, that's why I'm suggesting that, you know, use this rally as an opportunity to sell into because going into next year, if that is the case, if we are going to have to further reprice markets for a slower rate of economic growth and inflation and lower earnings, because earnings come from where? Economic activity then that would suggest that asset prices have a little bit further to go to align valuations based on what forward earnings are actually going to look like. Now, again, no guarantee of that happening. This is just what kind of the math suggests. But again, too many things can change. The Fed going back to QE, dropping rates immediately back to zero, government sending checks to households, all changes the game. That's when we have to react to the markets rather than trying to predict what markets will do. Okay, quick break. We'll be back. More of the Real Investment Show coming up right after the break. Don't go away. Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. The end of the year is fast approaching. What will the new year bring? Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and Lance Roberts for our year-end economic review special event Tuesday, November 15th. How to address higher taxes in the new year? Should you delay your retirement in 2023? What will the midterm elections mean for markets? Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. realinvestmentadvice.com you're listening to The Real Investment Show. Right over here chuckling to himself. He just had this bemused face watching no, the monitors. No, 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 no. So I'm watching the monitor. So it's on Fox News. There's talking about GM, the electric GM pickup trucks sold yeah. out and the reservation sold out in 15 minutes. Everybody's really? lining up. Yeah. Right. Uh, so a guy recently bought the Ford F-150 electric yes. vehicle. Yes. And these are great trucks, by the way. 
F-150 is a fabulous vehicle. Well, no, no, the, the regular F-150s. Now yes. we're, ta we're talking about yes. the all-electric ones, okay. right? Yeah. So nice trucks. Yeah. Right. They're nice trucks if you don't haul anything, <laughs> right? So if you're one of these millennials that just want to run around in a truck and not actually work in a vehicle, then an electric vehicle truck is all for you, right? Well, you mean like those trucks that are jacked up that aren't good for anything else? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, okay. They look good, right? So if you, want to throw a, if you want to throw an ice chest in the back and, you know, with some beer in it, an electric truck is great for that. Anyway, but a guy on YouTube did a, a whole analysis on the Ford F-150 truck. As soon as you hook up a, a, you know, a boat or a trailer to it and you're hauling, you know, 1,500, 2,000, 3,000 pounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just makes sense, right? I mean, you're putting, you're taxing the engine more. It's going to have to use more electricity. So your mileage goes way down. If you're Interesting. So, you know, as far as a work truck goes, I think that people are going to still opt for either diesel, you know, which you can pull a house over with, or a gas-powered pickup truck. The, the latest millennial dilemma is among apartment dwellers and renters yeah. who don't know where or how they can charge their new electric vehicle in the apartment parking lot. This is also a problem. Yeah. No. Just much, much, much less the fact that the they were just talking about you know recently the cost of you know filling up gas tanks obviously yes. going up yes. and now people are now raising the cost of EV chargers mm -hmm. because of the cost of electricity okay. supply so. and demand exactly so anyway I just that's what I was being bemused about was everybody's <laughs> running out to buy these trucks and they're going to try to tow something and it's like me. <laughs> And then we want to talk about when it gets freaking cold outside. Because that affects battery performance yes, as does. well. Yeah. Absolutely it does. Uh, speaking of uh, performance, uh, we have an article out on our website this morning called Drunken Miller. Stan Stanley Drunken Miller is one of the – he had a hedge fund called Duquesne, and, and he's one of the you know kind of revered hedge fund managers uh, of the world. He says uh, – this is a quote from – Stanley Drunkenmiller, that he said that there's a high probability, in my mind, the market at best is going to be kind of flat for 10 years, sort of like 66 to 82 time period. And there's a there now, this is an interesting juxtaposition as to what I was just talking about a second ago with midterm elections. So if you go back historically and look at midterm elections, and this is where it's always You've always got to put in those asterisks right next to the comment. I'm about to write an article on this, by the way. Headline from uh, Forbes. The stock market has risen after every midterm election since 1950. Okay, so every midterm election. There, since 1950, there's been 18 midterm election cycles. After every one of those, the stock market has risen. And... The numbers are impressive, right? The average midterm election, you know, post-midterm election year is about 18.6%. So the 12 months following the midterm election, the market is up 18.6%. Now, lock that number in your mind for a second. The average return of all other years is about 10.6. Okay, here's the problem with that analysis. In June of this year, Let's assume that June of this year was the midterm election. 
Over the next two months, the market rallied 17%, and you were still well within the context of this downtrend, and you were nowhere near market highs. Okay? So, we're back to those levels today. Market's kind of come off the bottom here a little bit, but we're still down, you know, 20%-ish for the year. So, over the next 12 months... If the market rallies 18.6%, so so this so what this assumes, right, is that you will invest November the 9th. Now, if you invest your money November the 9th over the next eight over the next 12 months, the markets historically returned 18.9%. However, most people aren't going to invest on November the 9th. They're already invested. So if they make an 18.9% return, they're not going to be back to even at the beginning of this year. So over the next 12 months, think about this for a moment, we're now 11 months into this year, 12 months from now, let's just call it two years, over two years you're still flat. Actually, you'll still be negative. So, this is, so you've got to be careful with this analysis because it all depends on when you started investing, right, as to whether it makes, any, it makes a difference or not. For a lot of investors over the next 12 months, it's going to be a challenge just getting back to even if we do that. Now, what Stanley Druckenmiller is talking about is that we may be flat-ish for the next decade. And, of course, this goes back to a couple of things that we've written about and talked about before here on, on the show. Valuations uh, is part of the problem. But the other problem is this. Starting in 2009, the Federal Reserve dropped interest rates to zero. And we went round after round after round of quantitative easing. And we've had a massive boost because of both stock buybacks, which have made up about 40% of the market return since, since that period. And you just had all this liquidity flooding into the financial markets, which have driven asset prices higher. And between those two, it accelerated the gains in the markets by about four percentage points on average. So pre-2009, the market returned about 10% on average. Now, that 10%, actually, I apologize, about 8.5% on average. That 8.5% was the function of long-term economic growth which was about 6%, about 4% came from dividends, and about 2 2.5% was, was basically inflation. So you subtract that out. So you get about 8, 8.5% 8 real returns long-term in the market. Now, beginning of 2009, those returns went to 12% annualized because of stock buybacks, because of artificial Fed interventions, all this type of stuff. Now, in order to maintain a rate of economic growth, sorry, let me back that up. In order to maintain a investment return four percentage points above what the economy can generate, you're going to have to have a continued push of monetary interventions and corporate stock buybacks. Now, here's the problem with corporate stock buybacks. There is a finite amount of stock to buy back. 
If companies buy back all their shares, they go private. Then there's no stock market. So there is a point to where stock buybacks are no longer effectual. But there's a, there's a long way to go. But again, if you're buying back a trillion dollars a year, you know, it's only going to take about a decade to run through the entire value of the stock market. The other problem, of course, is continued Fed intervention, right? More QE, interest rates at zero, which is going to just further divide the wealth gap and inequality gap in the country. And, and again, already the top 10% of income earners own 90% of the stock market. Eventually, they'll own all of it. And the question then starts to become, you know, who's going to be running the markets, right? So let's talk about valuations, earnings. The more that you extract out of the bottom 80% of the economy in terms of income and, and ability to sustain their lifestyle, the slower economic growth is going to get, which is going to slow down the rate of earnings growth for corporations, which ultimately makes valuations much harder to justify. So what Drunken Miller is talking about, and this is really the context of our article today, is, is the value of valuations. This article is on the website, by the way. And if we just go back and look at, you know, periods in history where markets began to revalue or reprice valuations, you know, these periods lasted anywhere from 10 to 20 years of basically where markets had a zero return from start to finish. Now, you got to be careful with that statement. Stanley Drunkenmiller says markets going to return nothing over the next 10 years, so why am I going to even invest in stocks? On a buy-and-hold basis, if you started today and in 10 years, you probably won't make any money. That's true. In the middle of this, though, there are going to be some fantastic bull market cycles to make a lot of money. And then there's going to be some nasty downturns to lose a lot of money. Trying to buy and hold it, you're not going to make anything. But trading the markets and being a little bit... Now, we're not talking about day trading. We're talking about paying attention to cycles and, and periods of time where you have a year or two of advances followed by the, you know a year of a sharp decline, two or three years of advance. Yes, at the end of that decade, you wind up at zero. But there's going to be some great opportunities to make some money in there. You just got to pay attention to what you're doing. Anyway, that article is on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Be right back after the break. Don't go away. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com the end of the year is fast approaching what will the new year bring join richard rosso danny ratliff and lance roberts for our year-end economic review special event tuesday november 15th how to address higher taxes in the new year should you delay your retirement in 2023 what will the midterm elections mean for markets register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic Economic Review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. RealInvestmentAdvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
have to chuckle. Headline this morning. You know, it, it's you know, if, if you keep going to, you know, play a game and and you lose every game, right? Seems like at some point you go, I really suck at this, <laughs> right? Just I'm I'm just yeah. not gonna do this anymore. You know, so one thing we learned during the the shutdown of the economy and of course the the run on food stores so remember back in 2020 everybody was going to the grocery store to buy up all the toilet paper because there was a fear of a toilet paper shortage and you know of course you know you tried to go to the store because of supply chain shutdowns you couldn't get anything everything was sold out except except the fake meat aisle you go there there was all those those shelves were always packed right just those Nobody wanted it, right? And, and now we're starting to find this out. You know, McDonald's, Burger King, others, they all did the, the limited edition menus of, you know, Beyond Meat, the Impossible Whopper, et cetera. And now those are all coming off the menu because they don't sell. It's a reason there was limited. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, but the thing was is that there's also a limited number of people <laughs> that are going to eat that. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so... If you take a look at Beyond Meat stock, uh, the, the stock has just been absolutely pummeled this year. Um, you know, this this stock was trading, you know, right after their IPO came out, and and the all and all the buzz was running around about Beyond Meat. They're going to take over the world. Everybody's going to become vegan. We were on the show going, "This is the most stupid thing ever." And, and by the way, it's not healthy for you at all. Um, so I mean, if you're really worried about your long-term survivability, yeah, this is mm. not it. Um, but this stock was trading nor- almost $300 a share, right? It's now trading at $12.43 a share. So this has been just a spectacular beatdown um, in terms of a, a stock. And again, you know, this is when it comes to investing. You know, there's <laughs> there's the, you know the old Peter Lynch line: invest in what you love, right? That's awesome. Just make sure that when you're investing in something you love, that they actually have a business plan <laughs> and, and they have a market and they have a market that will continue to grow over time, i.e. Coca-Cola. My Coca-Cola just announced earnings this morning, doing well, raised a full, full year guidance. Now, Coca-Cola is expensive. It's trading very expensive for what they do for a Staples company, but it is a consistent grower over time. There are more and more people consuming more and more Coke products, good, bad, or indifferent for you. They have a lot of different things, right? They have, you know, they have they have waters. They've got sports drinks. They've got you know sodas. They've got everything, right? They've, so you know, they've got a very diversified line of product. Beyond meat, you know, pretty much serves one market. It's it's I'm going to generate fake meat, so it's either fake chicken, fake hamburgers, fake whatever. Well, now Beyond Meat is coming out with a steak substitute. The new product will roll out nationwide at more than 5,000 Kroger and Walmart stores, as well as Albertsons and uh, others. Jewel Osco. I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's a northern chain, maybe. Jewel Osco. I've never heard of them. Uh, Sprouts and other local grocers. Um, the announcement concludes a rocky month for the maker of meat alternatives. Beyond Meat ousted Chief Operating Officer Doug Ramsey after he was arrested for allegedly <laughs> biting a mother, another man's nose. <laughs> Apparently... Was looking for another meat substitute. It's, it's what happens when you're meat deprived. I, I guess so. Company also announced plans to cut 20% of its workforce or roughly 200 employees, as well as the departure of its chief financial officer 
and the elimination of the chief chief growth officer role. So when you, when when your fake meat ain't growing and you have fake growth, you get rid of your growth officer. That becomes a fake position. Fake steak. Yeah. So well, now they're going to roll out. So yes. So amid the chaos, they are now going to roll out a fake steak. Now <laughs> the jokes abound. Yeah. <laughs> just just too many. Just carve right into it. Yeah, <laughs> All right, we'll slice into this topic. Um, <laughs> I just have a question. If you grill a fake steak uh-huh. on your grill, you still have to let it rest. That's that's assuming it doesn't combust. <laughs> And or and or since you're doing the fake meat thing, hmm. if you grill a fake steak, do you need a fake grill? Ah, okay. okay. Just uh, again, we can just go on with this. Possibilities are endless. The, 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 the Beyond Steak will be sold in grocery stores. Comes packaged in bite-sized pieces, <laughs> shaped now, like a nose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of in a way, yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Why does he come in bite-sized pieces? I want to grill it, right? If I want to, if I want a steak, I want to throw it on the grill. I need a whole. I can't throw pieces on a grill that'll fall through the grill. It's going to be called Beyond Shish Kebab, apparently. So, the Beyond Steak you can't call it Beyond Steak. You call it Beyond Steak Bites. See, you got to be careful. You're suddenly you're saying Beyonce. Exactly. Comes packaged in bite-sized pieces. It uses faba bean protein as its base and contains 21 grams of protein per serving, according to the company. It also has lower saturated fat content than beef steak and contains no cholesterol. So we'll see how this works hey, out. I get the chemistry, mm-hmm. but the, the, the taste and the texture ain't going to cut it. Right. So a 10-ounce package costs $7.99. Really? Yeah. So I'm just curious what 10 ounces of steak will cost me. At Costco. More than that, I imagine. I don't know. You know, it's actually 10 ounces of steak. I'm Googling <laughs> cost. Uh, is a 10-ounce steak big? That's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> Depends on your definition of, of big. <laughs> it's bigger than the 6-ounce. This has been considered big my whole life. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> um doesn't give me an exact cost for 10 ounces mm. so it may be a little bit more than than eight bucks oh here it is 852 okay for a pound for a pound so 16 ounces 16 ounces so yeah. it's actually cheaper just to buy a steak so there you go there you have it of course i guess it depends i mean if you're buying wagyu beef <laughs> So we so um, it was so my wife's mother mm-hmm. has a, a very dear friend of theirs and her aunt. So you can always talk about my liberal cousin Dwayne who lives out in Utah, right? He because he constantly calls. He listens to the show. He's probably listening right now. Good morning, Dwayne. Morning, Dwayne. And so he lives out in Utah. Listens to the show, and of course he's you know we have these debates over. Conservative versus liberal issues all the time. Thanksgiving and is fun, isn't it? Thanksgiving's no. He's actually a great guy. I, uh, you know, he, he's one of the few people I actually like. Um, so looking forward to. Um, we're going to be seeing him in December when we go skiing. Um, so anyway, his mother 
comes into town. Yeah. You know, she lives in California. She is a riot. And she's talking about how, you know, they don't have an HOA. She's like, I wish I had an HOA. And I'm like, I hate HOAs. Why do you want to? Why do you want? She goes, because we have all these people where she lives. She has, you know, several acres of land up mm-hmm. in California, uh, up, kind of up on this mountain that overlooks Los Angeles. She raises some horses. And so she's like, oh, my neighbors, they just do whatever they want with their yard. And like they just put a trailer in their yard and then put a piece of plywood over the top of it. And, you know, she's just complaining about all the all you know, the, the degradation of California and all the crime and everything we talk about here. And it's just, you know, it's just terrible. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And anyway, so she's telling all these stories and she's just she's just a hoot and a joy to hang out with. Um, anyway. So, you know, we're talking about you know she so, so she came into town we all go to perry's i almost lost my train of thought uh, <laughs> so we went to perry's restaurant to take her out to dinner and do this and it's a whole family so we all yeah. went and so i'm looking at the menu at perry's and they actually have wagyu beef on the menu at, at perry's and you know so like you can order a steak at perry's and of course they're way overpriced but you know you can order you know a ribeye steak it's like 60 bucks right for a for a steak mm-hmm. They sell Wagyu beef in two-ounce bites, and two ounces start at $50. So just if so, again, if you want to, if your choice of steak is Wagyu beef, well, good luck. You're not going to get eight ounces of Wagyu beef for for $7.99. Beyond Wagyu? Yeah, you're not even going to get close. (laughs) Not even, not even close. Anyway, we'll see how this works out for uh, for Beyond Meat. Uh, so the the thing to check on the progress for Beyond Meat is to go to the grocery store, go to the steak aisle, and see how many you know steaks are available for sale versus how much is available for sale for Beyond Steak. Yeah, right. If you can find it, <laughs> you know that's going to be one of the big challenges for Beyond Meat is that as sales continue to decline. So remember, in grocery stores, you know providers you know coke pepsi they pay for shelf space because where you are located on the shelf um, is very important into driving your sales because people tend to shop you know at eye level so they want that shelf space right at eye level because as you're going down the aisle and you're looking to buy stuff you know this is why you never go to the store hungry right because you go to the store hungry scrolling down the aisle you're just grabbing everything off the middle shelf and throwing it in your cart because it looks good so one of the big challenges for Beyond Meat will be where they get shelf space as their shelves de- as their sales decline. Uh, their availability of shelf space will become much more challenging as well. So we'll see how this works. I don't anyway. see the HEB cookers sampling that stuff anytime <laughs> soon. Just saying. But they'll deliver it to your house. <laughs> If you order it. Glad to get it off their shelf. (laughs) You may just start getting it in your orders like, hey, we've given you a free sample. Bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Try this because we can't sell it. Anyway, I'm just picking on Beyond Meat today. Just I ran out of material. (laughs) Here by the website, Drunken Miller on a decade of low returns. That's on the website now. Three minutes of markets and money coming up shortly. Don't go away.